0: Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Sarah.
1: I'm Erica. And I'm Steve.
2: So friends, we are in our final episode of Christianity 101. And we have covered a whole wide variety of topics in the last seven episodes. We've talked about God and Jesus, faith, scripture, creeds, and even getting into something more practical. Last week, we talked about the sacraments of communion and baptism. Steve, where are we rounding out this current series today?
1: Well, uh, we decided it would be wise, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit, for us to have conversation about living this this life being Christian together, life in community. Um, And that means that the conversation we began last time talking about the sacraments kind of became a bridge that like we, we began hopefully teasing out that Christianity isn't something only reducible to head knowledge or do you believe these correct facts about God? Maybe it doesn't even really start there, but that's a helpful place for us to start conversation. But that it's lived in actual expression with water that's poured out, with food that's shared, and that presumes a community of people so that whether it's us gathered in worship or us around the table studying the Bible or us counseling each other or supporting each other, that this is a a communal exercise. And so life together... Uh, is where we want to spend the the conversation and maybe this is a way of also saying this can be part of our conversation how the holy spirit shows up among us too that we we had a whole separate episode about who is god and we kind of talked about the spirit as part of the trinity and we talked about uh jesus in a whole standalone episode but maybe this is a place also to say the the christian community has for two thousand years seen itself as not just a group of people who all Believe the same facts about the historical character Jesus, but who believe that somehow, beyond our ability to describe or pin down, God's own spirit indwells and lives among us and between us and in us, making our life together different than just the local you know uh, bird watchers society who are people who like birds, or the local book club that just discusses a the book. There's something different about the community called church that has something to do with each other and the spirit of God.
0: So I think the big question that arises for me as we talk about Christians and in community is, do you have to belong to a community, a faith community to be a Christian? And I think that this is a question that rises up a lot recently as our world becomes more secular, Mm -hmm. that there are lots of people Who claim to believe in God, claim to be Christian, and yet do not live in community, intentional community with other Christians. That they don't go to church. They don't belong to a church community. They just are living their secular lives and believing on their own.
1: Yeah, And let's add to that additional ways it's gotten even easier to to go in that direction one is COVID has made it a lot harder for us to gather in community and it was like for the last year and a half we've been living with we can't all get together we can't all do it the same way we used to so don't all come watch it on a screen and now we're at the point of saying like okay but it, now we can come back together but i mean that that's hard and it feels like in the last certainly the last decade or two but maybe even a, a number of more recent Uh, Scandals as well. There are a lot of places where people have been really, really hurt by what Christian communities have done. How people have been hurt or abused or wounded, and you get burned on an institution if you feel like, well, you know, every time I'm vulnerable enough to go there, either somebody's shaming me for something I've done, or I there's the risk of abuse or the risk of theological malpractice. I mean, like, there's lots of reasons to feel like I'd be safer if I just had me and my Bible and a hilltop and a cup of coffee on my own. And it's it's hard as a religious professional not to be like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, we religious people can be terrible. Um, and yet I, I'm 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 so sympathetic to the way you framed the question, Sarah. that Yeah, I'm convinced that living in Christian community is not an optional or negotiable thing. And yet I get there's a long list of reasons why people feel like it, it's 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 toxic to be in a community, or they've they've been so hurt before, it feels like they can't imagine being in a healthy community.
2: And yet, doesn't I- it say in the Book of Acts about you know people getting together regularly and being in communion with one another? You know that's how the early church started. I get all the all the issues that you both have, you know that have been raised, um, but I don't think we can get past the idea that we do somehow need to find community, it yeah. might not look like what, what we're used to thinking of as community, yeah. um, but we somehow need to find that community that works for us.
1: Yeah. I am reminded of a quote of one of the desert fathers, like in the first generation of what what we now call monks or hermits who like literally went out into the, you know, the deserts in North Africa and in the ancient Near East for solitary life. And one of the desert fathers says to a a young novice who wants to come out and become a hermit like him, don't, don't become a hermit. Don't come out into the wilderness. If it's your way of, of abandoning the world or escaping from the world, only come out. If this is your way of being more fully present to the world and loving the world. Um, And that, that seems a really important idea to me in, in a couple of directions. One that Christians are not given permission to run away from people because we are scared of, being around other people or it's uncomfortable or like community is necessary but also that one's way of being present in the community might also include times of of solemnity or being alone or being solitary whether that's for a season or for a longer period but that can be part of how somebody's way of loving the world um not running away from it but that complicates things too
0: there, throughout throughout our, the Christian history, there have been times where there has been groups who have separated themselves from the world in pursuit of religious enlightenment, even within Christianity. Yeah. Um, but what what I always find interesting studying these groups is that most of those people didn't do it. On their own like even the hermits even the desert fathers and mothers they weren't alone they were still they were still in community with each other yeah um that it's um in particular the group that i think of right now is is the amish Mm -hmm. right part of the pillar of the amish faith is that they are separated themselves from the world that they don't live in the world and yet they are a strong close knit community, right? right? That they they might not interact in the same way with like with us who are not Amish, but yet they are in community with one another.
2: Yeah,
1: and I would say too that like even in you know medieval Europe when you had uh, monasteries or cloisters uh, of you know monks or nuns or people in religious orders that they became not only a community in themselves, but they came to see their calling was to serve the wider city or community. So, you know, like they'd raise the garden or they would have schools or they they would do things for the sake of the wider community. So as much as they separated themselves or withdrew from from the wider world, in a sense, they also did it as a way of being more present to one another in community and to the world.
0: Even the medieval anchorites yeah. would literally wall themselves off in a room in the parish, uh, they they were still very interactive with everybody. They still were participating in the worship service through their one little tiny window that peeked into the sanctuary. And then they had another one on the outside of the building so that the people could come up to them and well give them food, but also to ask for prayers. Yeah. And they were still like a central part of the community even though they were literally walled up into a room on the side of the church.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. I I was actually just thinking about Julian of Norwich, that same like being, being walled inside, but that it wasn't like in some like Rapunzel's tower out in the middle of nowhere, but it was right in the midst of the community, in the building, in the cathedral, the church, so whatever, so that you were accessible to the community as they worshiped and you were available there to give counsel or to pray with or to talk to, yeah, it, it, I, I can't imagine what possesses somebody to have the sense that they need to be walled inside a little room like that. But it is interesting to me that even when that happened, there was a sense of but I still need to be participating in community, just only limited ways that even there you couldn't get away from living in community together. I I think that is an important and necessary corrective. To the culture that we live in that can so often be so individualistic that it's just sort of me and Jesus and nobody else, you know, weighs in and nobody else can tell me what to do or to think. Um, And I guess I should probably also say this, I think, is one of the unintended negative consequences of the tradition from which I come as as part of the Protestant Reformation at a time when the printing press made it possible that you could have your own copy of the scriptures in your house or in in your very own hands and everybody could read and because of folks like Martin Luther's translating into the local language and that becoming an important idea everybody could have their own and one of the unintended consequences I think is that in, in its worst application, became me on my own. I'll just read on my own, and I don't need anybody else to give me any insight, or suggestion, or direction, or to teach me at all. I'll just, it'll just be me and my Bible, and God will speak to me directly there, and I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody to serve, to care for, to you know partner with, to be accountable to. Just me and my Bible, and I'll see you in heaven. um And I, I'm sure the reformers of the 16th and 17th century didn't intend for that kind of abuse, but man, we got that in spades.
0: Oh, I was, I was just thinking in particular, when you combine that with the priesthood of all believers uh, yeah. in some ways, well, in a lot of ways, pastors and ministers lost quite a bit of authority because we gave that authority back to the people of like, all right, you don't particularly need us to be able to read this and understand this passage we have theological training that could help you interpret this passage but you can now read this on your own um and that i think we can see that manifesting itself in very interesting ways on the public stage right now
2: yeah
0: um where if you survey 100 americans about what is your responsibility to your fellow human you're going to get a hundred different answers. Yeah. And most of them will claim to be Christian and have that be the reason as to why they're saying what they're saying about how we're responsible for one another.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the, again, unintended consequences of uh, a move like the Protestant Reformation did to say that uh, having one person at the top of a hierarchy and calling them infallible has dangers the downside is you end up with okay then there's nobody who has any authority greater than me and nobody else can have any insight to share it's just just me and whatever i come up with it's like willful ignorance if i didn't come up with it on my own it's not authentic and like that seems dangerous you end up with you take a verse out of context to mean the thing you want it to mean rather than somebody else saying well, you know what we've actually studied this you don't have to reinvent the wheel here or have you thought about what this other passage says that maybe challenges the thing you already want to believe and it seems like we need each other for accountability that way, that otherwise the temptation is too great for me to just find, here's what I want to be true, let me find a Bible verse that will confirm the thing I want to be true, and I will selectively only read the ones that I want, and nobody can tell me otherwise because that's making them an authority over me and I don't want that. We need, and it seems to me the New Testament assumes a mutuality of of accountability across in in multiple directions that we look out for each other. And that also includes holding each other in check or helping each other to see like blind spots where, where I don't see something that's gone wrong in me and other people can say lovingly, hey, this seems like this is out of whack. Have you considered this? And I may need that.
2: And I think that's something that we have lost you know, that, that's something we lost with the Reformation. But then I see as, especially in the West, as we become more individualized, we're losing that again, yeah. that that accountability, you know, where we're, we're just so like, you know, we're getting back to that, me, myself, my Bible idea. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to read the parts I like. I'm going to see what I like out of it. And, you know, if I go to a church that disagrees with that, well, then I'll just find another church that agrees with me. If I want to be in relationship with other Christians, um, and we've lost that sense of accountability where we can say to one another, you know what, maybe you need to rethink this, because the way you're reading this, the way you're understanding this, I don't think is the way Jesus intended you to read or understand it.
1: I think maybe an especially dangerous ingredient in our era isn't just that everybody's got a bible which I again i'm pro bible i think and many people should have a bible in oh, yeah. their can but that what's come along with that too is consumer capitalism makes each one of us a consumer and that instead of um, somebody who has studied this might be the expert. They can tell me what a passage means. No, I'm the consumer. I decide what it means. And if I go to a church that tells me something I don't like, I will find a different purveyor of religious products. I mean, the same way, if my grocery store stops carrying the brand of bread I like, I will find a different grocery store because I'm the consumer and I'm always right. Um, and I think we we accept that thinking in so many other parts of our lives. Well, of course, if if your um, local fast food store doesn't sell you the 64-ounce drink, go to a different restaurant that will sell you the 64-ounce drink. Nobody can tell you how much carbonated corn syrup you can drink. Um, like, if, if we do that in other parts of our lives and accept those voices, yeah, that that's logic, that's freedom, then it's really easy for it to be the same thing as, uh, unless I'm told things I already want to hear, I will find another purveyor, another you know, service provider that will give me what I want. And we treat ourselves as the consumer and in a culture where the consumer is always right. Yeah. I've just made myself the, my own personal Pope. Mm
2: -hmm. It used to be like with my parents, my grandparents' generation, you know, you were Catholic, Lutheran Methodist, whatever your parents were the same denomination. It goes back generations, you know, great, great grandpa built this church. And that's why I'm a part of this church. And and I'm not saying it's not, like, if you're not being fed, if you're not, you know, finding, if you're not growing in a church, I'm not saying that's, you know, that's not a reason to right. to move to a different denomination or non-denominational church. But if you're moving and church hopping just because, oh, the pastor said something I didn't like this Sunday, right. I'm going to go find something else then that's where we have that consumer problem
1: i think this presents a a tension that we got to find a way to to live with is on the one hand you're i think you make a good a good point in both directions that just because i'm not a consumer doesn't mean i should stay in a place that is that you know is not feeding me spiritually or something it doesn't mean we should suffer just for the sake of suffering, or, uh, you know, be in a place where we clearly don't feel welcome or something like that. And on the other hand, it feels like there needs to be a certain amount of stretching in a community that I need to be in a place where. I can be held accountable, even if that means telling me things I don't want to have to face or being around people who don't automatically all think like me. That seems to me not like a flaw in the church, but a, a mark of what a good community, a good congregation is supposed to look like. That There should be that kind of stretching and a gathering of people who are different and willing to live with each other in their differences um, because we're convinced that it's Jesus grip on us that makes us community, not our like mindedness. But that's a pretty countercultural picture, honestly.
2: I think- as, much as, I, as much as I dislike meetings where, you know, there is all that disagreement, you know, it's, that's how God intended us to be, you know, like you said, we shouldn't be all like minded.
1: It seems interesting to me, at least that in the New Testament, so many of Paul's letters are about dealing with conflict and Paul's conclusion isn't, here's the one right answer, y'all need to fall in line, but instead work with each other and bear with each other.
0: And I, and I think that's key for me, right, is about it, it's context. Um, I don't think that you should necessarily leave a congregation because you don't feel like you're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that might be a moment to discern, well, how can I grow and how can I help others grow with me? Like, you know, that it's not just what can the church do for me? It's what can I do for the church? But at the same time, if your ch- church has become toxic, and specifically toxic towards you, mm-hmm. um, you know, for example, if you identify as a as a gay teenage boy, and your church regularly has sermons about the sins of homosexuality, that's probably not a healthy place for you to be, and it's going to be detrimental to your spirit to stay, mm-hmm. then I think you should leave and you should find a community that's going to embrace you and have a place at the table for you. But again, that is context. It's why are, like, why do you feel like it, you should be leaving this congregation? Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some good reasons to leave. And I think that there are bad reasons to leave and you should maybe consider staying and trying to grow with your community instead of just saying, "Ah, I don't feel it here. I'm going to go and try to feel this mythical feeling elsewhere. Like it's, it's one of those things that it's going to depend on your context about whether or not it's a good fit for you. Like, but just because something doesn't necessarily automatically feel like a good fit, doesn't mean that you should go looking elsewhere. I think
1: that language of a good fit is helpful, too, because it's a reminder, I think, that um, it's not purely about what is immediately always comfortable. That I think a good fit should, like a a working definition of a place that's a good fit is a place that stretches you in good ways and also is comforting to you in the places or times when you need it as well. And that sense of balance, I think, is helpful so that um, living in a community should I shouldn't feel like I'm all alone and nobody else, you know, uh, is is there to support me, or I'm the only one ever doing anything? Um, but I should feel like I'm I'm being stretched beyond my comfort zones. Whether that's getting to know people who are different from me, or being asked to serve in ways that are you know new to me and are are stretching in that way. I think that idea of being stretched, but a healthy stretch, not not so stretched that you sprain or or tear the ligament. Mm-hmm. And
2: this is a decision that I, I think. Um, far too often happens this is something that should not be made just based off of one Sunday. Sure. You sure. know, like if you're looking for a church and you go to a place and like you don't like worship for that particular Sunday, go back next week. Maybe, you know, maybe you're going to find somebody different preaching or maybe the music's going to be you know, don't just base it off, you know, just one or two Sundays and say, "Oh, well, for a couple of weeks here I haven't felt anything, so I'm going to go look for something new." Sure. Hang in there for a little while,
1: and I guess that even points to like the the goal or the outcome. What's 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 the 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 point or the end? I don't even want to say end product, but what's the what's the the goal around which? The Christian community is oriented and to me it seems like we sometimes slide and think the goal of Christian community is to create the ideal worship service like it's a gathering on Sunday, rather than the lives of actual human beings and that's not measurable just on any given Sunday or even a whole string of Sundays you know it's how do we how how are how is the character of Christ formed in people from how our children are treated to how do we serve meals together to what are the projects we do to take care of our neighbors, because that's part of how the spirit forms you know, us to be Christ-like and that that takes an immersion. That's more than just, I tried it once and I didn't like it. Um, but it requires being in and among people and living in and grieving with them in times of heartache and celebrating with them in times of joy, that all that is part of how we are formed into what God's trying to make out of us. And again, I think if we see Christianity as a consumer product, the the serving size is going to be one Sunday morning service. Did you like it? Nope. You know, try the next one down the road. See if they have just the right mix of ingredients to be a a flavor that you like. But if it's more about this long term, how am I being shaped to 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 be the fullness of, of Christ? That's going to take a participation in something that's longer and also lives in the tension of sometimes people encourage me and sometimes people hold me accountable and I stick with it even when it's not easy. This calls to mind for me um, a line that I think is an insight of uh, the Um, German Lutheran pastor of the 20th century Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, I think from his book Life Together, where he talks about the difference between the ideal of a Christian community, like sort of that mental picture we have of how great the idea of Christianity is versus the real lived messiness of real actual Christian communities. And it it actually reminds me of there's this great line from the Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan movie, uh, When Harry Met Sally. where um at the beginning of the movie billy crystal is talking about his marriage it's falling apart and his ex-wife is named helen and he's been on his own for a while and he says to his friend sitting in a ball game he says maybe i just missed the idea of helen and then he stops and he goes no i missed the whole helen and i i love that idea of like that what we have in christian christian communities not just the idea of helen but the whole helen um, but that includes all of us in our rough edges and warts and all. And that living in Christian community includes the times when somebody sings way too loud and sings the wrong notes, or the time when someone is a little extra bossy and shouldn't be, or the times when the preacher pontificates and they should like all of these rough edges are part of it. And we, unless we can embrace us and our messiness and our brokenness, we're 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 still chasing after an idol, I think.
2: And the Christian life isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It's not all rose-colored glasses. And so neither will the christian experience be you know and so we do need to experience those things and you know if if we're constantly hopping from place to place trying to find that perfect christian home we're never going to find it because the christian church is run by imperfect people you know so we, we just have to be willing to kind of settle into that and say okay i'm imperfect the people i'm worshiping with are imperfect the people i'm in community with are imperfect yeah. But how can we be imperfect together?
1: I There's a point in my religious professional pastoral life when I saw that dynamic and thought of it as like, well, we just have to settle for that. It's not ideal, but nobody's perfect. We have to live with that. It's a design flaw in God's creation called church. And the more and more I've lived through it, the more I find myself humbled thinking, sometimes the people with the roughest edges, it's not that their problems is that they have rough edges, but that maybe I need sanding with uh, uh, that kind of grit. You know, like- um, I have known people who are rough as a corn cob and it was hard to be around them sometimes, you know, the, the 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 way they spoke or acted and there were times when man is it hard to try and be Jesus in the midst of those uh, situations or, or communities, and sometimes I think that's that also is in God's design, part of how the spirit shapes and and sands down the rough places in me. So rather than just being, it's their problem, I, the perfect Christian have to live with these other imperfect Christians. I guess I just have to, it's my cross to bear. In, In those moments when I feel like that, sometimes I have to stop myself short and go, wait a second, maybe this is revealing a whole really, really rough spot in me that God needs to sand down. And as much as I want to imagine, I'm really close to being finished. No, there's a lot of really rough, jagged edges that God's working on in me. And maybe, these people are god's instruments for me as much as i want to be god's instrument for me to help shape them too but that's a pretty humbling thing and i do i do not like thinking about that for very long
0: (laughs) so we solved it do we now know how to live in christian community rather perfectly or imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect
1: i i think that way of ending it is is a is a good place like if there's a take-home it's to live in that tension, it's it's gonna be messy and sometimes difficult, but to keep at it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know um that that joke at the end of the movie Annie Hall about the guy who thinks his wife is a chicken?
0: No.
1: So at the end of, of Annie Hall, Woody Allen says, Um, there's a there's an old joke uh that goes like this: the man goes to the psychiatrist and says, Doc, I don't know what to do. My wife thinks she's a chicken. And the psychiatrist goes, Well, have you thought about having her committed? And the guy goes, I would, but I need the eggs. Um and the, then Woody Allen, the narrator, uses this as a metaphor for why we continue to be in relationship. It's, it's a romantic comedy. So he says, this is why we keep at it in a relationship with each other. It's messy and complicated, but we can't help it. We need the eggs. So we stay in these impossible, difficult relationships, and we are sometimes impossible and difficult with each other. And the other person is difficult and impossible to us, but we stay at it because there's something there that we can't find anywhere else. And I think in a way that that's not a bad theology of Christian community that, yeah, sometimes we are impossible to be around and we fragment over stupid stuff. And there's times when things that are really important, we brush under the, you know, sweep under the rug because we don't want to deal with it and we can be impossible with each other, but we have to live in community with each other because that's how God's brought us together. And we need the eggs. I mean, like, honestly, like that's, that's, that's how I I live in that tension myself of where, where else would it go? There's not an option of going off on our own to meet Jesus means being with other people. So in all these episodes, we have not attempted to try and say this is all that... Christianity could say, but there's obviously been places we've said there's probably more to be said in more complicated subject matter. So somewhere down the road, we think we'll be offering a Christianity 202 series of stuff that's probably more complicated than entry-level stuff, but maybe gets a further into the weeds. But for now, we're gonna stick a pin in this series, hoping you are having a delightful November um, and that you have a delightful Thanksgiving uh, tide as well. Um, and in the new season of Advent, starting for us uh, church nerds in the very near future too, We'll invite you to join us for a new series for Advent 2021 here on Crazy Faith Talk.
2: Carol, hi.